Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to pray and how to save my soul. He taught me how to praise my God and still play rock and roll. The music may sound different, but the message is the same. It's just an instrument to praise His name. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I had to add some humor at the beginning of this week's podcast because it has honestly been a really rough week. We've had four break-ins at the church, in the school, broken windows. Someone tried to break into the parsonage in the middle of the night as Andrea and I are watching this person knock on all the windows and try all the doors. Uh, It has been a really crazy week. So I've really been struggling on uh, sleep, but also trying to figure out uh, what to say in a w- week like this where you just can't seem to get your bearings. So our text this week is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, You'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. I've kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command, love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do things that I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything that I've heard from my father. You didn't choose me, remember? I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command. Love one another. The word of the Lord. Okay, it's been such a weird week to digest that passage, which is obviously all about love, joy, and friendship. And setting aside the fact that I haven't really slept well all week, and I've been absolutely useless thinking about what I was going to say for this podcast, uh, this chapter and... You could argue all of Jesus' life and message come down to one thing, love. Uh, This is not news to anyone who has been at Mission Hills for any length of time or or probably church at any time or uh, reads memes on social media. Uh, It all comes down to love. And like we've talked many times at Mission Hills recently, it seems, uh, we can mean a lot of different things when we use the word love. And we've talked about it in relation to to justice, what happens in our community, what's happening in our world. We've talked about it in a personal sense as well. And how do we remain in this, or see this commandment, remain in love in weeks like the one I've had? I mean, that's kind of the question that I've been mulling over the last few days. Uh, Weeks where we're annoyed, angry, lack proper sleep. Uh, 
you know, can Jesus elaborate a little bit how to remain in this love as he's remained in God's love? Because I'm pretty sure it feels like, you know, I was pushed out of a plane without a parachute a long time ago. Um, so I think sometimes it can just feel like that. And we could read passages like this that, you know, you, it just doesn't really make any sense when you line it up with the way you feel in your life. You're like, remain in love? Oh, okay, that, that sounds really nice, and it sound, definitely sounds really spiritual. And I think most people at church would be like, yes, 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 remain in love. Okay, everyone, that's, that's pretty simple, okay? Remain in love. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But nobody really is actually questioning, okay, but what if I don't feel that? What if I just read a text like this, and it just seems like some words on a page, you know, and then it gets down to joy. And you're like, joy? Really? Uh, I mean, there's so much injustice and unnecessary violence worldwide. Uh, it, it makes my head spin. I, I have a hard time keeping track. Not to mention, there was there's a global pandemic still going on. It's killed over 3 million people. Great. Uh, who is finding all of this joy <laughs> that Jesus is making so readily, readily available? Yeah, I'm. Sometimes I feel like I'm missing something, and and then you have this what seems like an easy commandment to to love one another. It's like okay, that seems simple enough. Love one another. I mean, Christians say that kind of thing all the time in churches, and yet the millions of Christians, the majority of Christians in our country, believe that people who don't think like they do are going to be tortured in hell when they die. So. What do we mean when we say love one another? I mean, who is loving one another like Jesus washing the feet of his future deniers and betrayers before this text? Is that the kind of love you know we're talking about? Is that the kind of love that we express in our lives, that we see expressed in our world? Okay, so, so real love, Jesus says in, in this text, is you know, being willing to to put your life on the line for, for your community. Uh, and I'm not sure I'm that committed, to be honest, right? I think if we're honest, like, when we really think about that, like, man, I don't know if I'm committed to re really lay my life on the line for the community. Uh, if you've got this kind of fortitude, you know, please send me an email or a text. Uh, I think it's helpful sometimes to even think about what relationships were were like in the first century. So Dr. Bruce Molina, he writes about first century relationships and gives us a little bit of insight to how uh, the kind of love Jesus is talking about might be expressed. So he writes this, to love God with all of one's heart and to love your neighbor as oneself is to be attached to the people in one's neighborhood as to one's own family, which was a normal thing in the group-oriented Mediterranean until families begin feuding. So I think this helps us make makes sense of Jesus's earlier metaphor in John of the vine and the branches, where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So, so love is about a kind of attachment or connection. Uh, and Jesus is calling, after this little section on um, how love is best expressed. You know, he calls his disciples friends 
and and not and not servants, which I have to feel like is kind of a backhanded compliment. <laughs> I can hear Peter, you know, mumble to John, like, I already thought we were friends. And John's over there like, yeah, I thought I was the beloved disciple. I mean, does this friend thing that he's saying to the disciples even apply to us? I think that's a worthwhile question. I think most people would say, yes, we are all called friends of Christ, not in the cheesy Jesus is a friend of mine variety. Uh, But there's another insight, I think, to this friend piece that New Testament scholar Caroline Lewis can help us out on. So she she puts it like this. Uh, Jesus brought them, the disciples, to the very heart of God and then revealed that God's heart longed for friendship. And now Jesus is saying, I have called you friends, not just to a special group of people of the past whose names were recorded in sacred memory, but to ragged fishermen, curious women, sitting around him, listening to his tales, trusting for the first time that the God of Israel had not forgotten them. Souls broken under the weight of Roman oppression, suffering, and imperial slavery. They were not slaves, not even servants. They were now friends of Jesus and friends of God. So I think this is really helpful to, to, to kind of capture the idea of attachment, connection, love, friendship, kinship in the historical context, and then maybe... Maybe I'm catching on to something about what this could mean for us today. Um, you know, it still doesn't solve my sense of in, injustice and alienation that we see going on in our, in our world, where we can feel disconnected from a text like this that calls us to remain in love when everything around us seems to be mere the opposite. But I think we can be on to something, uh, maybe a glimmer of hope here. Now Jesus is making all kinds of promises that everything he has received, he has also freely given to the disciples. And I'm assuming that applies to us as well. And because of this attachment, because of this connection, we can and have to bear fruit. And sometimes I'm thinking, isn't the gopher-infested community garden enough? I'm, I'm so tired of needing to bear fruit. And Jesus then comes back around to the big finish. Remember the root command. Love one another. And I have to say, I get it. I love is important. And then the other side of me says, but you don't get it. We have, we have real problems over here. We've got so much stuff going wrong. How can we possibly feel love, much less have love to give at the end of the day. And I have no grand proclamations or epiphanies other than love is really difficult. And perhaps I can make some progress to love by just being honest about that. And let's be honest, if this is the only thing that really matters, on the whole, we're not very good at it. We're, we're busy being caught up in real pain, stress, busyness, selfishness, a million little distractions. I don't wash feet. 
I'm grossed out by feet. I'm wondering how long I can use the pandemic as an excuse for why I don't like to hug. I feel like I'm a long way from love. And this is where the upside down nature of the good news comes in. I'm a denier, I'm a doubter, and I'm down, and that's all right for now. It's all right. I truly believe it is in this honest place that I, maybe we, can always move forward and we can actually breathe. Here, there's no need to put on a mask because we know we are loved here and now. And as we think about in the season, learning to walk in the dark, what we're reading on Wednesday night, you know, it's always okay for us in the church to at least be honest that sometimes what Jesus says sounds ridiculous to us and legitimately unattainable. It's okay in our anger, depression, our real limitations, our shadows, the stuff we would never say about ourselves in an interview. It is there that we are loved. It is here that we are loved. It is here where we realize we're already attached. We didn't have to do anything to remain in this friendship, this connection, this attachment, and this love. It is from this empty, empty land where we find space for the little loves that are all around us. If you haven't seen uh, the Netflix movie, My Octopus Teacher, I highly recommend it because it's a great example of someone who was just broken and found a new space in an unlikely teacher that opened him up to love life again. The great Robert Marley plainly asked, could you be loved and be loved? Uh, in a world that is so, so determined to focus our attention to what we don't have, Jesus weirdly asks us to even be willing to lay down the only thing we do have. That's a tough message. It's a tough one. So my prayer this morning is that a glimmer of honesty during a bad week uh, would lead us to some good news. It could be possible if we were present to our lives, even the bad weeks. I think I'll leave it there for this week. As we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is my friend.
Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. 